0: This is Teach, Play, Love. The Bright Horizons parenting podcast just for ages zero to six. Get the advice you need from our own early childhood expert, Education Vice President Rachel Robertson. And make the most out of every chance to teach, play, and love. What's the big deal with play? A lot, apparently. Play is when children develop all kinds of life skills. Here's Rachel and new mom Amanda on how to let play take center stage in your child's life.
1: Well, nothing makes me happier than talking about play. And I am so excited to be joined today by Amanda, a Bright Horizons mom and also a pretty new mom. Hi, thanks for having me. I have a son, Tucker, who's 10 months old. You're at a perfect time to be thinking about it. Tucker is developing all sorts of skills and interests, a lot going on in that little brain of his, even though he can't talk about it with you. And when they're infants, when they're just developing, it's a great time to start some sorts of play and then be ready for all the play that's coming your way in the older years, and we'll talk about that as well. You know, play's been in the news a lot lately, which is interesting. The headline is really that pediatricians are starting to prescribe play because it's not happening enough. And it's pretty conclusive that play is necessary for healthy child development, but it's getting cut out as something that's not as important as school or academic learning or not given time because people have such busy schedules. One of the things that we want to think about is the value of play and why it should be a priority but also ways that we can sneak play into just your everyday normal routine. So parents don't have just one more thing
2: you have to add to your list. You can be playful all day long. That's exactly what I am looking to hear because I feel like we're in the routine, you know, when you need to feed him, when he needs to be changed. I guess I'm not actively thinking about what to be playing with him. So sure, we do peekaboo and things here and there, but I would love to hear different ideas or maybe ways that I'm playing and I'm I don't even know already that are helping him.
1: I'm sure you are. I mean just your example of playing peekaboo, that's playful. But there's a few characteristics to think about with something that you'd call play, one of the primary ones would be that there's just really no right or wrong to it. You're just having fun. You're enjoying an experience. It could go in this direction or it could go in that direction, that you're engaged together with another human being, with a child in this case, and that you're acting things out. You're learning about each other during that experience. But again, you don't know where it's gonna go. You could decide to say something and he would react to it or he could decide to do something. Then you will react to it and that's a playful
2: interaction. He definitely is communicating and that's really helpful. So let me talk a
1: bit about why play is so valuable. I think that would be helpful for parents to understand why pediatricians are making a big deal out of this, why it has become such a topic of conversation again. 20 years ago, play was just something we let children do. We didn't even question it. That's what early childhood was about. But we didn't talk so much about the value of it or what was happening. That's just how we lived our lives and our perspective on childhood. As we've learned more about brain development, we've upped the ante for the expectations of what children can do. And they can do more than we previously thought. But that has also had a bad result in terms of pushdown of expectations. We need to let early childhood be a time of joy and play and interactions with peers and exploration and discovery because children need that foundation so they can then do all those higher level activities and thinking later on. It's the best thing you can do for your child is give them enough time for play.
2: I think that will be on my schedule for tonight.
1: <laughs> so speaking of schedules, we were talking earlier about fitting play in and how you can fit play in or how you can be just be playful throughout the day. So when you're thinking about an infant, certainly things like peekaboo or tickling games guessing games, as much language as you can interject, telling them about your day, laughing with them, those kinds of activities will all feel playful to your child. They will be engaging their part of their brain where they're they're starting to learn about you, they're starting to learn about themselves, they're starting to learn how things work. If you are able to spend some time at a park or at a playground or even just in your yard or your house, and your child wants to build something in the living room or do something with a cardboard box, allowing them to do that and see where it goes is a very simple and playful experience. I bet with your 10 month old, there have been moments where a pot or a pan and a wooden spoon are the preferred item of choice and just letting that happen that's play. We
2: definitely have enough boxes with the deliveries we get, so I feel like instead of immediately going to the recycling, maybe I can turn that into a little toy of sorts. I hear parents talking about they
1: spend all this money on expensive toys, and then the children just want the cardboard box. And there's something to that. So it's kind of funny, yeah. <laughs> and it's and parents are sometimes dismayed that they invested all this money in toys. <laughs> But what's happening is a child is looking for an open-ended experience. They're seeking out an opportunity to be imaginative. A lot of things that are purchased sometimes say they're an educational toy. There's usually no science behind that claim, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times they're a closed-ended toy, meaning they are for one purpose. It's already defined. There's not a lot of imagination allowed in. Mm -hmm. That's why children gravitate towards things like sticks or just an open meadow or cardboard boxes, because they can turn it into whatever they want it to be. And as a parent, you can jump in, you can ask questions. If you're asking open-ended questions, meaning there's no right or wrong answer, things like, what do you think? Even to a nonverbal child, it gets them to start thinking. You might make a suggestion, you might add something, like if they're playing with pots and pans, you might add the wooden spoon and see what happens. But your role in all of this is just to observe Maybe you can join in. Maybe you can ask some questions, but you don't have to be in charge. You don't have to direct anything. You don't have to make sure anything is complete you can just enjoy the experience.
2: His birthday is around the corner, so part of me is thinking, do I ask people for cardboard boxes now? I mean, or the pots and pans I want? Can we repurpose? I'm just kidding, a little. (laughs) One of my favorite books
1: by a researcher I follow is the book, Einstein Never Used Flashcards. And Einstein has some famous quotes about how he made lots of mistakes and tried lots of different things and experimented all the time. And frankly, that can only happen when you have opportunities to play and explore and imagine. So if we want our children to be the next innovators and engineers and scientists and thought leaders, they have to have the time and the permission to explore in early childhood. Another great benefit out of play is that children can make mistakes and it's okay. And they learn from those mistakes through their play. Just think of children in a play experience with a couple peers. Maybe they're at like a little play kitchen area. One person is suggesting they're at a restaurant. while well, another child had an idea that they were at, in, at home in their kitchen. They have to negotiate. They have to collaborate. They have to come up with creative ideas together. And then just fast forward to 25 years later when they're in a meeting, they're going to need all of those skills. And you didn't have to sit them down to do a worksheet. They just learned it through a playful experience
2: when finding time to play with tucker is it helping that i would play with him or if i'm in the middle of trying to get his bottle ready is there some safe way that i can encourage him to play while i'm doing something i have to at the house
1: yeah that's a really good question so there's there's a spectrum of how adults can support children in play and and in any experience. What I always encourage for teachers or parents to be thinking about, just making intentional choices. You could choose to let Tucker or anyone listening, your child play independently, and there's a lot of value in that. You certainly want to set up a safe environment so there's nothing they can do or get into without your full attention that's going to cause harm and they really can truly explore. And they can learn a lot just from that independent play. They're learning some things about themselves, what they're capable of, what they can make happen. Young children, babies are figuring out, oh, if I move my hand, I can make this happen. It's as simple as that, but if you think about it, that's a pretty big discovery. So they're gonna learn that through individual play. Maybe you're gonna give them something like a cardboard tube or a spoon or a rattle, a blanket. They're gonna learn about properties. They're gonna explore senses. They're gonna figure out how things work or how it doesn't work. All these things can happen when a child is in independent play. If you have time, some in the kind of middle place in the spectrum is asking some questions, some thought-provoking questions. The more language young children hear, and even more vocabulary, so don't hesitate to interject bigger words, they will learn from that, and it will prompt thinking, and maybe some new ideas. You could say something like, oh, I really wonder what sound that would make. He may or may not react to it, but he might start thinking about it. And then you can be fully engaged. If you have the time, you can be a play partner and you can get right down with him with a bucket and spoon yourself and have a good time. And then you're also modeling play. And he's learning from that as well as this new element of interacting, taking perspective, taking turns, sharing collaborative play experience. So any of those are fine just think about being intentional and making some choices about what you want to do in each given moment.
2: So there are a lot of cousins in our family that are similar age with Tucker, and they'll interact and play together. When playing in groups at a small age, is there anything specific that parents should encourage, especially for the nervous mom? I I, I will take it. It, it is me. So. <laughs> That's fair. We're
1: meant to be like that. We are supposed to protect those little vulnerable people in our lives. So I think there's two things I could say in response something we talk about in classrooms is setting up a yes environment meaning there shouldn't be anything in the environment that you consistently have to say no to because if children are hearing the word no a lot that's limiting exploration they start to question what they're able to do and they stop exploring what they're capable of doing so you do as much as someone might insist on not doing it you want to bring them only to places where someone's willing to move the Knickknacks off the side tables and put gates up or whatever is needed to make sure it's a safe yes environment because it's more important that your child can explore freely and you don't have to worry and it's important to get comfortable with the idea that an element of risk-taking is an important part of play if children can't explore what they're capable of or make mistakes as we were talking about earlier, they will not learn the really good lessons that come from that exploration or come from that mistake. They are going to fall down, they are going to get bruises, and they are going to learn a lot from those experiences, whether they are a literal physical experience or it's a mistake they make with a friend or a negotiation with a peer. So that's one part of it. The other part, I think what you're asking is group play. And this develops, children's ability to play with others develops over time. So when they're really little, they are playing pretty independently, although they'll play next to someone, but they won't—they don't really know how to interact or negotiate or connect their ideas to someone else's. They start to be able to do that in maybe like preschool age. And you if you're mindful of it, you can really start start to see the beginnings of that, and they will start to reach out and attempt to do that. Early attempts of this will be maybe with a parent or with a child, and they'll be wanting to pull you into the play, but very directive. So you okay. see that they want to do it, but they want you to play their way. They don't realize you have your own thoughts and ideas. And you know, we have expectations for young children in play that are sometimes inappropriate. One of the ones that comes to mind a lot is sharing. Really, young children do not know how to do that. They're, they don't know how to take on someone else's perspective. So if we say, you should share, how would that make you feel? They don't know the answer to that question. Wow. So that's something that we have to be patient with them about. We can model, we can teach them, we can support them in doing that, but our expectations shouldn't be so high for them that they are expected to do something that's really challenging and then they have consequences when they're unable to do it. Setting them up in a play environment when they're 2-3 years old, there should be a lot of choices and maybe some duplicate choices or opportunities for them both to explore the same amount of materials so we're not asking them challenging them in a play at a level that they're not developmentally ready for.
2: What else is he getting out of play that might be helpful or maybe surprising for me to know and kind of have on hand? One of the things play
1: does for children is it lends them meaningful context when they might not have it in their direct experience. So what I mean by that is a child sitting down and practicing letters on a worksheet, that's rote memorization, that's not real learning. A child sitting down to practice, even if it's pretend reading, to a group of stuffed animals, that's meaningful application of learning. They're going to learn to read and love reading when they're able to use it in a meaningful, fun, playful way. The other thing that play does is it integrates development. So when children are in a lesson, they're focusing on one thing. When you're playing, you're integrating physical development, social development, emotional development, and cognitive development. And they're all working together just like they do in real life. I really encourage play not to feel like it's just another thing to do. It will naturally happen if you allow it to happen, if you sing in the car, if you just laugh together and have fun and play a guessing game, or if you have time to run around the park and and be playful together. All of that is valuable, all of that matters. Just let it naturally happen. Take the pressure off of yourself and jump in on the joy of early childhood
0: along with your child. So play isn't just fun and games. It's certainly fun, but it's also quite valuable. And as we just heard from Rachel, there is a lot of complex development happening when children are playing. Our part as parents in supporting that development is easy. Say yes to play. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us and find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on Teach, Play, Love, and rediscover parenting as the joy it was meant to be.